Well, good morning, church. I hope you are walking in here this morning, and instead of being groggy like Ted said, that you are ready to worship and that you want to give God the glory for what he has been doing in your life, especially in the season that we're in right now, as we have just moved through Christmas and headed towards a new year. I don't know about you, but I feel like as we move towards Christmas, things are busy and we are running and we're hurrying through things and we get to Christmas Day and then it's gone. And then all of a sudden it's like the new year is upon us. And so for some of us, we've moved through these holidays and we have looked at them and this has been a breath of fresh air. We are celebrating things and things are good. For others of us, we actually dread entering this season. We dread it because we have been going through pain, loss, fear, maybe worry. And this season brings a lot of different emotions to our lives. We realize that we live in a broken world, and it's hard. Well, this morning we're finishing our series of Peace on Earth, and we're looking at things, and possibly for some of you, you have walked in here this morning and you desire the peace that we have talked about for the past four weeks. You want that peace in your life. For some of you, you are coming in here this morning and you have met the person of peace, Jesus Christ, just this past week. And you're wondering, what's next? What's taking place? What more of this peace is going to take place in my life? For others of you, you are searching, and you're wondering what peace is and, and where it can come from, and you're wanting answers to maybe some of life's hard questions. For others of you, you are entering this place today, and you have been a follower of Christ for weeks, months, years. And yet you still know that peace is hard. It's hard to come about it. It seems difficult. And wherever you're at in this journey of life and spiritual answers, all of us have to answer a simple question. And the question is, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? I want you to do something uh, this morning. I want you to take out your worship folder. I want you to grab a pen or a pencil in the rack in front of you. And I want you to do something. And this is something private for you. So you're going to write something down. Nobody can cheat and look off of their neighbor. It's not allowed in here. But I want you to answer that question. You're about ready to enter a new year. What are you worried about? Maybe it's something we can rephrase the question of, what are you afraid of? What is happening in your life that you have this worry and these things that are building up inside you? What is it? See, often when we ask that question, we don't want to go deep. And so we'll give answers of like, well, I'm afraid of mice. Or, I, I, I hate snakes. I'm, I have this fear of heights or whatever it may be. But I'm asking you 
to go to something different? What are you worried about? What are the things that are keeping you up at night? What are the things that are like running through your brain and they are just sucking energy and time and fear out of you? I want you to write it down. I want you to write down, this is what I'm worried about right now. This is what I'm dealing with. See, we all have something in common in this room. And it's that fear and worry will eventually enter our life, whether we like it or not. All of us will have it at different degrees and levels, different circumstances. But how we react to it will reveal how our faith is shaping us. Our reactions will reveal how our faith is either growing or being stagnant or decreasing. And so there's a truth this morning. It's a truth that I hope that you enter 2015 and you cling to. That you say, this is what I believe and this is what I am going to be about. And it's the simple truth. That the God of peace transforms worry into courage. So that we can live as the empowered witnesses of Jesus Christ in all seasons and to all people. If you are a Christian here this morning, this is the truth that you need to be living by. Realizing that our God transforms. And so this morning we want to look at transformational peace. We have to look at that because we have to deal with worry and fear. There was a study done many years ago by Dr. Uh, Walter Calvert. It was a study that was funded by the National Science Foundation, and it was done on worry. And there were some things that came back in this study that are really interesting whenever we start dealing with this subject of worry. I want you to see it here this morning. The first is this, is that 40% of the things we worry about never happen. Okay, so now look at your sheet. There might be a chance that whatever you're worried about won't happen. 30% of our worries concern the past. So what that means is, is if we can learn something from the past, we should learn it. If we can't learn anything from the past, let it go. 12% of our worries are needless. Not anything we need. Don't... We don't need to be worrying about that. 12%. 8% of what we worry about ever happens. Now, 4% of our worries that happen are out of our control. So when we start breaking things down, and there were so many figures and statistics that came through this study, that when we start looking at worry, what we end up seeing is that We don't have a lot of control, but if we know the Prince of Peace, we know that He has control. And so when we're looking at this, I think that the Scriptures have something to teach us. There's actually two texts that we're going to look at this morning, and I think they relate to what is happening here in this study. So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Luke 24. If you grab a Bible in the rack in front of you, it's page 1047. 
Now, Luke 24, what we're doing this morning is we are going in a Christmas series of Peace on Earth. We have been talking about Jesus coming and dwelling, being born. We celebrate the birth of Christ. And now what we're going to do is we're going to jump to the end. We're going to jump to the end of the story, the glorious story of our Savior. And so as we go to Luke 24, I want to paint a picture of what has taken place. Jesus has gone to the cross. He has taken the sin of the world on him. He's defeated death. He has risen from the grave. And that work that he did on the cross means that we need to apply what Pastor Rob was talking about last Sunday and on Christmas Eve. That we have to admit that we need peace in our lives. We have to turn to Jesus by faith. And realize that peace, that finding peace, comes in the way of forgiveness. That's what happened in the scenes that we are looking at here right before Luke 24. Now Jesus, the resurrection happens, and we find Jesus on a road known as the Emmaus Road. And he ends up joining two disciples. The disciples don't know it's Jesus. It's been kept from them. And so Jesus enters a discussion. Ask them what they're talking about. These two disciples are just struck that this person does not know what has taken place. And so they start describing what has happened in Jerusalem, what took place with Jesus, what has happened. And as this discussion goes, along the way, Jesus ends up teaching them. He starts talking about what the prophets of old What the prophecies had said would take place to the Messiah. And he's telling them this, and they're listening and taking this in. They get to a place where they stop, and Jesus acts like he's going to go on, and they encourage him to stay. And so he stays with them, and they start to eat. And as soon as Jesus starts breaking the bread, their eyes are opened so that the resurrected Savior is in their midst. Joy and amazement takes place within their, within their hearts and their minds. And at that point, Jesus disappears. So he disappears and these two disciples get up and they go back to Jerusalem. And they find the disciples and they go there with this news that they had been with Jesus. And that's where we get to in Luke 24, starting in verse 36. And so I want you to follow along with me. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, catch it, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. 
The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. I want us, as we read this text and we look at the things that we've written down that are in front of us, that fill our minds, I want us to declare truth to ourselves today. There is something that takes place when we read this. And the declaration is this. It's that worry and fear don't win. We're jumping to the end of the story so we know Who wins? What truth wins? And worry and fear don't win. Those things you have written down, they are not going to win. Because the Prince of Peace has come. Now when we look at peace and we look at what's taking place all through Scripture, there's this, this vast biblical concept that is rooted in the Hebrew word shalom. Shalom means to be complete or to be sound or to live well. To be complete, to be sound, or to live well. Now, why is that important for us this morning? Well, it's because of our simple truth. Because followers of Jesus believe that the God of peace transforms worry into courage so that we live as the empowered witnesses of Jesus Christ in all seasons and to all people. That's our call. That's our, the truth that we cling to. But we also have this process that the disciples are going through. So look at the disciples. When you look at this text, look at what is happening with the disciples. Where are they? What's happening in them and around them? They're hiding. They have gathered in a room and they are hiding. They're full of all this disappointment and discouragement, sadness, doubts, worry, and fear. Because they had stuck with Jesus. They had walked with him. He went to the cross and he died. And where is he? See, when we read this, I think something was forgotten. The disciples forgot something, and it's something we often forget. Because they didn't expect the glorious work of God. They were doubting the glorious work of God. See, this is a time where Jesus could have walked in to this room And he could have condemned them. He could have judged them. He could have told them that they are wimps. And yet he walks in and he enters and he brings words of good news. The good news that we've been talking about for the last four weeks. He brings good news. Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Jesus is entering into the weaknesses of these soon-to-be proclaimers of the gospel. 
and he walks them into peace. Now we're going to talk about this, but I want you to do something else. I want you to look back at what you've written down, the worry and the fear. And I want you to write something next to it. I want you to write, peace be with you. Peace be with you. See, Jesus comes and he brings these words and Jesus knows what's happening in your life just like he knew what was happening in these disciples' lives. Look at verses 38 and 39. I mean, his question, why are you troubled and why do doubts rise in your minds? They have things swirling around in their minds. They haven't captured their thoughts. Worry and fear has grabbed a hold of them. And this has got to be transformed. Jesus knows it's got to be transformed in them so that they can be made complete and made whole. So that they can be the followers that he is calling them to be. And so Jesus moves into this space. We also notice something else when we look at these disciples. Do you see what happens here whenever he is Moving in here, it says this in verse 41, and while they still did not believe it, believe it because of joy and amazement. Well, joy and amazement seem to be good words. They are good words. But they are sitting there going, this is unbelievable. This is totally amazing. I, this is something I can't comprehend that I saw Jesus on the cross and now he is standing before me and they have joy and amazement in them and they don't know what to do with it. They can't wrap their minds around it. That Jesus' glory of the resurrection is so unbelievable to them that they are just blown away by their Savior. Are you, are you looking at the cross and the empty grave and are you saying, this is unbelievable? That my Jesus has conquered all of that for me. Are you amazed by him? See, Jesus is coming to them because he's got to do something. He is about ready to commission them to go out with the message of salvation. He is going to send them out. So let me ask you something. When we look at this, we have to come back to you and I. What is happening in your world? What's taking place? What, what is happening with the fears of life that are coming upon you and how are you handling them? See, when we read this text, this is a text of great anticipation and great new responsibility. This is a, a, a changing that's happening, a transformation that's happening. And it's a reminder that the gospel is so unbelievable that we constantly have to speak it into ourselves and to those around us. We have to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done. We have to speak it each and every day. And the reason for that is because Jesus knows that our minds and our hearts are going to get distracted by many other things. They're going to get 
pulled in many other directions. But he is invading our hearts and minds to grab control of the things that we can't control ourselves. See, he's wanting us to understand that our hearts and minds have to be captured by him so that we can be the courageous followers that he's calling us to be. See, Jesus is transforming all these disciples from worry to peace. But notice something. Whenever we read this, it doesn't say, peace be with you, and I will take every hard circumstance, every painful experience away from you. Jesus doesn't say that. He just states, peace be with you. See, hard circumstances are still going to come into our life. Things are going to come. And this aspect of peace in our lives is going to be something that is a great adventure. And it's not safe. See, we think peace, peace in our lives brings safety, but it doesn't. The great theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer has some incredible words on this. I want you to see this quote that he says. He says this, There is no way to peace along the way of safety. For peace must be dared. It is itself the great venture and can never be safe. Peace is the opposite of security. To demand guarantees is to want to protect oneself. Peace means giving oneself completely to God's commandment, wanting no security, but in faith and obedience, laying the destiny of the nations in the hand of Almighty God, not trying to direct it for selfish purposes. Battles are won not with weapons, but with God. They are won when the way leads to the cross. You and I are in a battle. A battle for your heart and mind. Because the things that you've written down or the things that are in your mind want to capture you. That's what the enemy wants to do. And it's a battle that's taking place. And until we take that to the cross and lay it there, peace can't come. And so Jesus knows our weaknesses. He knows our weaknesses. And with great joy, he welcomes us into his family and also gives us great purpose for living. He gives us a purpose in this eternal kingdom of things that we are to be about, that we are to be about proclaiming the gospel to a broken world. Which means we can have peace in every circumstance, every season, every trial that comes into our life. See, followers of Christ aren't just saved, they're also commissioned and given a purpose of passing on the message that was given to us. See, the God of peace transforms worry into courage so that we live as the empowered witnesses of Jesus Christ in all seasons and to all people.
what we see in verses 47 and 48. What Jesus says to those disciples, and it's a reminder to us, is that we are to go and we are to preach, we are to proclaim, we are to talk, we are to have coffee with people, we are to share our possessions and everything so that we are preaching the message of forgiveness and that forgiveness has come. We're to do that. And so just as Jesus is transforming the hearts and minds of these disciples, he wants to do it in your life today. He wants to continually do it each and every day. So what is worry? When you look at the thing that you've written down, what is worry? Well, to a degree, it's sin. Worry is sin. It's the enemy of peace. It, worry is a choice made in distrust, distrust. And it never contributes to the problems that we face. Worry doesn't help. Worry makes us huddle in a room. The disciples are huddling in a room. Worry makes us dive under tables because we're scared. My son was five years old. My daughter was an infant. And we flew to California and went to where dreams come true. We get to Disneyland, and we have these great expectations, these big expectations that we have our kids there and that our son is going to love the place where Mickey's at. And so we book the character breakfast. And so we go and we're, we go to this building and it has windows all around it. We're taken to our table and we're seated. My son is seated and he has his back to two doors. And as we're sitting there, out of the corner of my eye, I see a large head coming. It's outside and this large head gets to these doors and the doors are jammed. They're stuck. And so he's pulling on them, pulling on them. It's not happening. And finally, he just hits the door, kicks the door. The doors get unstuck. He opens them up. And as that happens, my son turns around because of the loud noise and he's staring Captain Hook in the face. (laughs) And my son, at five years old, dives under the table. We paid good money. (laughs) And I think that I'm the only one that has pictures with characters from that trip. The whole breakfast, we're trying to talk to him, trying to get him out. He was scared to death, and I get it. That whole time when we would walk around, he would move away from even his favorite Disney characters. He didn't want to go near them because of what had happened, because fear and worry had captured his mind, have captured everything, and he dove under a table just like the disciples are hiding. And when we are adults, we do the same thing. We run into our rooms and we stay there because we have this great fear and this great worry of what's going to take place and we don't know what to do. 
And sometimes it's hard to change from childhood. Matt Chandler states this about Christians. Anxious Christians are bad advertisements for the God of all comfort or the God of peace. But not being anxious doesn't come without the sweat of faith. See, it was hard work. I mean, we wanted our son to fully enjoy the place that he was at. We wanted it to be complete, to be whole. And it took hard work. You and I are going to have seasons and circumstances where it's going to be hard work. That we're going to have to work hard in our faith. But we have to understand that God wants to transform your worry into courage. When we look at Luke 24, we see some things happening there, and I want to jump to another text. And I want to jump there because I think as we move into 2015, there are some disciplines, not resolutions, disciplines that need to be a part of our life if we claim to be a follower of Christ. So I want you to turn over to Philippians 4. The story continues. The early church is coming. And in fact, what happens and with Jesus transforming the hearts and minds of the disciples means that we are sitting here this morning. See, what he was doing that day in that room was transforming things so that we would eventually gather to worship him and to glorify him on December 28, 2014. He was doing something so the church could start proclaiming forgiveness. But as we read the New Testament, there's things that continue to come in, and what continues to come in is worry and fear. When we read... The letter to the believers in Philippi, we get to Philippians 4, and I want to start at verse 4, and we see what Paul ends up saying to them. He says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you learn or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. There's three disciplines that we need to take from this, but first I want you to understand that Paul is saying something. It's something that's a reminder to us and we have to hear this morning. He says it right at the beginning of this section. The Lord is near. You might not feel that way. But just as the resurrected Christ entered a room where disciples were huddled, he is near and wants to enter your circumstance. He wants to transform your worry into courage. He wants to radically change things because he is a God of transformation. 
And so we find some disciplines. There's three disciplines that I think we have to understand this morning that we have to put into our lives. The first thing is this. It comes right at the beginning of this section of Scripture. It's that we must rejoice always. We must rejoice always. This is a worshipful attitude towards God. This is a worshipful attitude. It means that in just a little bit, we're going to stand and we are going to sing. We're going to pray. We're going to do all these things. And we are going to have an attitude of worship glorifying the one who conquered death so that we could have union with God the Father. And so as you enter 2015, how are you going to rejoice? How are you going to worship? See, it's not natural for us to worship when things are tough. In fact, what's natural is that when things are tough, we want to complain. We want to get angry. We want to be full of frustration. And so it's not natural for us to say that God is good. So we have to practice disciplines. It means we have to have something. And so each and every day we need to speak the good news into our lives, and we must rejoice always. We must rejoice. The second thing that Paul references here, it's another discipline, and it's prayer. This might seem so simple. We might read Philippians 4 and go, this is so simple. Why do we even look at this? But it's so simple in information, but so hard in practice. Prayer's difficult. See, when we have something happen or we have worry, we tend to want to call a family member or a friend and talk to them and seek help. But what Paul is telling us to do here is to pray and to worry at God. Worry at Him. Take the worry to the cross. Lay it at His feet. And to give it to Him. Prayer isn't always easy. When my son was younger, I would drive him to school every day, and every day we would pray. It's something my dad did with me. I started doing with my son. We would pray every single day. I would ask him, what do we, Gavin, what do we need to pray about? He would give me something, and we would start praying. There was a morning. The morning wasn't going like I had planned. Because as a parent, we often think that all of our plans are right. And everything should go the way that we set it up. And it wasn't going that way. It was frustrating. It was so frustrating. And I didn't know how the day was going to go. And I had some worry about some things that were going to take place. We get in the car. We're driving. And Gavin says, Dad, are we going to pray? And I turn. This little voice from behind me is saying, Are we going to pray, Dad? Are we going to pray? And I turn. I can't pray. You pray. And so my son starts praying. And I think about that when I read Philippians 4 because I'm reminded that even in the difficult times, I am to pray. I have to go to God in prayer. In fact, the, the word that's used here in the NIV is petition. Other translations say supplication. What those prayers are, are crying out to God and saying, I need help. So whatever you have written on your sheet, today you are to cry out and you are to say, I need help. This is my prayer. Come and take this. See, 
what Jesus did in entering the room of the disciples was creating a way that we can boldly approach the throne of God with every worry, fear, and concern and lay it there. Now the last discipline, the third one that Paul references here is that we should live with thankfulness. Our transformation from worry to peace comes when we are thankful. So are you thankful for the shoes you have on your feet, for the breath that is in your lungs? Are you thankful for the food that you have eaten? Are you thankful that you are sitting here alive and are warm? Every little thing, what are you thankful for? I want to go back to Dietrich Bonhoeffer because he also has something to say about this. He says this, Only he who gives thanks for little things receives the big things. We prevent God from giving us the great spiritual gifts he has in store for us. Freedom, peace. Because we do not give thanks for daily gifts. We pray for the big things and forget to give thanks for the ordinary, small, and yet really not small gifts. How can God entrust great things to one who will not thankfully receive from him the little things? The little things. When we read the New Testament, we see that Paul is declaring that he is thankful, and when he writes it, he's in chains. And so are you thankful? What are you thankful for? These are the disciplines as we enter a new year that we have to put into our lives if we are going to have transformational peace enter. We're going to rejoice always. We're going to pray we're going to be thankful. And so 2015 is going to bring many things, many great things and many hard things. Possibly your job or retirement or a child that's going off to school or to college. Maybe it's your marriage or your singleness or a death or a birth. It might be fear and worry that you have been commissioned with a message of forgiveness that you have to bring to your neighborhood and it's scary. You're worried about it. But I want to remind you. I want to remind you of this truth. That the God of peace transforms worry into courage. So that we live as the empowered witnesses of Jesus Christ in all seasons and to all people. How are you going to enter the new year? Where are you going to find peace? Are you going to go with all your worries and fears to the cross? Or are you going to waste time letting them capture your heart and mind? Let's pray. Father, there is no need to worry because of you, because of what you have done. And Lord, there are so many things that come into our life that want to grab a hold of our heart and mind. And I ask that you would transform each and every thing and person here so that those things do not distract us from your glory. Lord, we took on a God-sized challenge As we went forward in this all-in campaign, and there are many times that we could worry and we could fear about this, but you 
are in charge, and so we lay it at your feet. And so as we bring these gifts before you right now, I ask that you would use them for your glory, that you would proclaim the message of forgiveness from this place using us as your witnesses. Thank you for coming and dwelling and being born as a baby and going through the trials and the circumstances that we go through and taking everything to the cross and defeating death and being the God of transformation. You deserve the glory. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.